The title sponsor of Hunt Talk Radio is Leupold. Leupold Optics are the trusted optics of accomplished hunters and shooters. If it has a gold ring on it, you know it was built by American hands in Beaverton, Oregon. Whether it's a new rifle scope, binocular, a spotter, rangefinder, or eyewear, go to leupold.com to learn more and look for these fine Leupold products at your high-quality retailers. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. As I was walking, I saw a sign there on the sign it said no trespassing but on the other side it didn't say nothing well that sign was made for you and me Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. You notice I said Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. They're the title sponsor of this and so many things we do. Well, today I'm out in Beaverton, Oregon. I happen to be at the Leupold headquarters and uh, had some extra time. So I'm going to impose on Bruce Pettit, the CEO, and Tim Lesser, the VP of Product Development and Marketing, And we're going to sit down and hopefully catch up on a lot of things about the hunting and shooting world. Uh, Bruce sits on a lot of the national organizations, so he has a lot of insight that maybe I wouldn't otherwise get. Um, Talk about Leupold products, uh, whatever changes, any other secrets that they might want to let out of the bag. I don't know. They're pretty tight-lipped, but... uh, And I'm going to try to get them to talk about how much they support hunting, shooting, conservation, access, all of that. Um, Again, they're pretty tight-lipped on that also. Uh, They just don't want to come across as doing it for marketing reasons. Uh, And then uh, in a couple nights, Bruce and I, we get to be the uh, MCs for a fundraiser that Leupold put together for the Oregon Hunters Association. And if you're from Oregon, or if you have a Hunters Association in your state, I hope that you'll support those smaller state-based organizations. So anyhow, Bruce and Tim are sitting here, and uh, I'm going to hit the button, and we're going to be off and running. Thanks for being here. Well, folks, we are here. I say we because I'm with Bruce Pettit and Tim Lesser. We are in Beaverton, Oregon at the, what can do we say, Galactic Headquarters? Or do you just say World Headquarters? Uh, I think it's, yeah, I think Galactic's good. I like that. All right. I like that. Yeah, because you guys are looking beyond the horizon. (laughs) I just got a factory tour. I I hadn't, uh, Tim was kind enough to give me a factory tour here. Uh. And it had been five years since I'd been here and did the last factory tour. Yeah. You guys have been investing an awful lot of money. Either that or I wasn't paying good attention when I was here five years ago. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. we've, um, it, it's, it's the benefit of having, you know, family ownership and long-term view of our business is that we have the ability to invest long-term. And so we put more money into our factory and our facilities here last year than we ever have in the history of the company. And, you know, you saw a new distribution center that we built last year, which is on the property that we owned here on our campus. Um, 
but just continuing to, to really, you know, given the fact that, you know, we, we make our, our rifle scopes here, it's, it is always looking to, at how do we get more efficient? How do we do it better? How do we make sure we compete with, you know, companies that don't have the same uh, cost structure for making in Asia or whatever that, that we do. Yeah. And it's, it's really paid off. It really has. And so a lot of the things that you saw down there are, some of them are recent and they are over the last five years yeah. um, that we've done, particularly in the last, you know, two or three years, we've, we've really upped our game in terms of what we're doing from, um, you know, providing our factory, the ability to be more efficient and create more capacity. We're yeah. making more rifle scopes today than we ever have in the history of the company. Really? Yeah. Because you know what people are going to say, and since Tim is the VP of product and marketing, he's going to get blamed for this, is they'd say, you guys must only be working one shift. I can't, I can never, you know, you, my retailer runs out of inventory. No? No, no, we're, uh, <laughs> we're running pretty much 24 seven, um, around here. So we're working every day in multiple shifts and, um, the, the efficiencies that we've gained over, you know, you know, whether it be the, the entire time that we've been in business, but more importantly, probably over the last five to 10 years, the efficiency, efficiencies have really come up. So we're, we're churning out two X, three X, what we, what we used to before with better quality, yeah. um, and, and more predictable outcomes than we've ever had. Uh, and so that's something that we, that we're really proud of. We work really hard to, to accomplish, yeah. but, but the demand is, is there. There's a lot of people using the product. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing about that, what Tim mentions is that also, if you look at the complexity of the product, product itself too, is, has gone up dramatically. Yeah. You think about what we put into a rifle scope today versus even 10 years ago. Um, it's, it's just, uh, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. So, well, I was here, I think it was almost three years ago, probably two years ago, two and a half years ago, Bruce, you and I went for dinner and it was during the the COVID period, and you said something that stuck with me, and I don't know if you even knew what you said, but you probably saw this look on my face. You said, a lot of people are going to use COVID as an excuse. We're going to use it as an opportunity. And so I look at how you've just really invested heavily in the people you have here and the, the amount of product you're able to produce with the same amount of people. It seems like maybe you really did use it as an opportunity and not an excuse. Well, that's, we did. And it's because of our people. Um, you know, we were obviously an essential business and, and man, that, that feels like it's been so long ago now. <laughs> maybe I blocked it out. Um, but, but, uh, but we were an essential business and I, and the way that our team reacted to that, cause we have military contracts and we have, mm-hmm. and we had the, in fact, the, you know, our military you know, I got a Department of Defense lawyer that said, you actually need to keep making product. You can't stop. So we were kind of in an opposite <laughs> boat. Um, and, but, you know, your, your team is, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of news and all kinds of stuff. And I just got to tell you, our team is incredibly resilient. They really are. And, and it just allowed us the ability to come in and we, we made sure we were safe and we followed all the appropriate guidelines that, that we had to. But our team came in every day and they worked hard and we built product and we continued to innovate. And, and so I think that it's the credit and the uh, being able to take advantage of, of what happened through that time frame really just goes to, you know, having the right strategy, but, but more importantly, the right people that execute that. Yeah. Well, when Tim was giving me the tour down there and became very obvious, uh, Bill was the guy who gave us the tour, right? He is so enthusiastic about everything Leopold does and stands for. You, you need to send him out there 
As like the brand ambassador. <laughs> we got a lot of those. He's, one, he's a great but, one. But he understood every little process of the manufacturing yep. that you walked me through. How, how long has he been here? Bill is probably, let me think about that. He is, I would guess, five, six years. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's been with us. And then he introduced me to some other people. Like, yeah, I've been here 28 years. And one yeah. guy's like, yeah, I've been here almost half my life. I'm like, holy cow, in today's world, <laughs> good <laughs> luck with that. But I guess that speaks to the, the, your campaign of trust is earned also must apply to how you view your this highly talented group of employees here. Yeah, average, average 10 years, 12 years right now. Yeah. And yeah, I just yeah. gave out, um, a, a, we do awards every five year increments, a 45 year award the other day. Yeah. No way. 40? 45 years. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? <laughs> oh man. And when that, you, you know, given it, it's the coolest thing, Randy, because we, I mean, then we have a lot of thirties and a lot of twenty fives, and, but when you get the ones that are 40 and 45 and, and as you're giving the word, they're thanking you. And I'm like, no, no, this is not working. I'm thanking you <laughs> yeah. for spending your, your life here, really, your entire career at yeah. one place. And they're like, we've just been blessed to be here. Yeah. You know? Tim, you were showing me that one, uh, what do they call it, a virtual machine? Yeah. Is that, so you, Brian, I think his name yep. is, he's sitting there. He is running the machine or on the computer. It's as if he's running a machine. And you guys can test out pretty much everything in your manufacturing process, new products, new ideas, or new parts, whatever you want to call it, without having to shut down a line and run it through and see if this, to me, that was like Buck Rogers and not the 21st century, the yeah. 45th century. It's what? like... Is that the kind of the direction of it? Because you're the VP of product. Is, is that where this has to go to be? You know, the, the constant, you know, just trying to get more and more efficient every day. Things like that become absolutely critical. Um, so we think about, you know, CNC machines, computer controlled. So, right. you know, a lot of us, I think, initially would think that if I want to change over to run, you know, from the main tube for scope A to the main tube for scope B, that that's a push of a button and you drop in a new tool and now you're running the next one. In some cases, that's anywhere from eight to 24 hours of constant work to change one machine over to make one different part. And some of the scopes have 200 plus parts in them. Yeah. So the ability to do what you saw where what was really going on there is they, they can model up putting all the different tooling in all the, all the right fixturing, um, running that software and just seeing if there are any issues yeah. Um, are any of the parts going to collide with each other as they slide by? Uh, because you don't just go pick up a computer program that says, build me a VX6 main tube. <laughs> we have to program it all ourselves. <laughs> and if you miss one little line of code or one overlaps here or there, or the tool's a bit longer that you handmade in your, in your um, tool room, mm -hmm. you need to know that ahead of time rather than taking that machine down and costing yourself three days of production on, on one machine. So yeah. uh, I do think that's where the future is coming from. And, and you're seeing that efficiency in, in the output and the quality of the products that we're, that we're producing. Yeah. And the new, I'm trying to remember the guy's name who showed me uh, how you're using all this uh, like harmonic type frequencies in making sure every product is has these exact tolerances and 
everything goes through that same I, I it was so complicated i'm like look i took two years of engineering and i'm still not a hundred percent sure how he's doing this <laughs> we, but, but he, he emphasized this was all about precision and consistency it it is and so we we actually <clears throat> need to measure the performance of the equipment the same way that we measure the performance of the end product and so what we were seeing there was uh, the ability to to predictively know if there's going to be an issue with this machine coming up later so we can do maintenance before it gets there. So by monitoring what vibrations are coming out of that machine, you might start to say, okay, some of these parts are are wear parts Um, and there's oil-based lubricants and and other things that go on there. This will tell us ahead of time, hey, we're starting to see this vibration in... Um, increased by this minuscule amount, which means there's, you know, part A or part B in another month or so should need to be replaced. Well, we can plan that ahead of time for when we're doing a changeover that's already scheduled. We can go in and do some of the predictive maintenance is what they call that. Now we can, now we can plan that maintenance and, and do both at the same time, yeah. um, things like that. And so we're really adopting what can we take that we've learned in product testing and apply it to the machines and vice versa. And, and just make the product output all all that much more better every yeah. time. Well, that, there's a C- series on the Science Channel or something, how it's made. Mm-hmm. You guys need to invite them in here. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fascinating. If, if you're interested in how complex pro- products are made, a Leupold video, if you don't want to call it that, would uh, it, people would be floored at how many parts, how many pieces, how you guys make those, and how your people are just so precise in knowing exactly what little thing they they have to do to meet that level of quality and consistency that you guys have. It's I'm I'm just you know. Maybe you need to call them up, Bruce. And say, yeah, hey, bring you know, I mean, here. I guess I, I would love to do that, but uh, my my engineering team starts to go get a little wonky on me when they're like, Who? they're not going to film what we're doing, right? So all I get to show them is that entrance. There you go. <laughs> hey, take our word for it. No, I, I, you know, we, we, that's why we try to, you know, be able to, you know, get you in and do some filming and other folks just to show what we do because it's, it's, uh, it's a competitive advantage. It's, yeah. it's one of the big ones we have. We have others, but it's a, certainly a competitive advantage because it's yeah. really hard to do. Yeah. You know, I understand why we're the only one really making rifle scopes here in the United States. Right. Because it's really, really hard to do. <laughs> you know, I get it. <laughs> Anyone who thought that they were going to get into the rifle manufacturing business, which is different than going to overseas and yeah, saying, yeah. I'll take 300 of these and 400 yeah. of those like everybody else, just put a different logo on it. Anyone who's thinking they want to compete and do that here, a quick factory tour would tell them, you know what, I'm, I'm too far behind. There's not a, <laughs> not a chance in hell I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, there's the there's the infrastructure piece of it, which is the investment and the equipment and all of those things that, you know, you got a chance to see. But it's the other thing you talked about earlier, which is the knowledge base that we have. Yeah, that's, that's just, you can't replicate that. No, how, how do you acquire that? I mean, is that just commonplace here in Beaverton, Oregon, or is that just something <laughs> no, this, this company's been around for 80 years, and so it, It's, it's commonplace for Leupold and Stevens. I mean, okay. this has been grown, you know, it, it's, a, it's a still family-owned business, and, and this company has grown up and treated their employees like family. 
Yeah. I mean, they really have. And so they've been able to keep people a long time through, you know, having the right core values and, and, and you just get this institutional learning and, you know, it's our job as leaders to make sure we process as, you know, get that into a process as much as possible, which we do. And that helps us to work on things that we, we talk about continually improving every day, you know, those kind of things. But, you know, Randy, I don't mind saying it. You know, I, I get asked all the time. I get states that call mm. and said, hey, we want you to move to yeah. here. We will oh, yeah. name a town after you guys <laughs> if you move here. I won't name the states because I don't want to get upset. But we've got three or four that are pretty consistent. And you probably know who they are. I know who they are. Um, and huh. it's just the reality is this, this is where they all grew up. This is where our team grew up. This is where those experts that grew up in terms of making product and what it is. And so... Yeah. Could I move equipment? That's really hard to do too. Right. <laughs> By the way, with you, when you look at the size of the operation, right? But but more importantly, it's just this is it's a family, and we're right. gonna you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna win right here. Yeah, we're gonna win right here in I, the great state of Oregon. There you go. Yeah, I, I like that idea because a lot of I think it's very popular, whether it's in our own lives or in the world of business. Of well, I'm it's not worth building my my you know planting my stake here i'll just go somewhere else and when you say we're going to win right here that's that's a pretty profound statement for a company to make because we're going to win here hey folks we're in the middle of application season and you know what i use for applications right for draw odds for filtering for strategy articles it's the big sponsor of this platform go hunt if you want to have that tool available to you before application season ends, go out there now, sign up, use promo code Randy. And when you do, they're going to put $50 of credit in your gear shop account. And mostly you're going to have the information you need to draw that tag and go hunting this year. GoHunt.com, promo code Randy. Nosler Ammunition is the official ammunition of Hunt Talk Radio and every other platform that we produce. Nosler was founded in 1948 by John Nosler, and over that time, Nosler Ammunition has proven time and again why so many hunters and shooters trust Nosler. Whether it's Nosler bullets, components, or their premium-grade ammunition, Nosler's reputation at quality shines through. We shoot exclusively Nosler E-tips, Acubons, and partitions in all of our rifles. And all of those can be found at Nosler.com or look for them at fine retailers near you. The Hunt Talk Radio podcast is brought to you by Mystery Ranch Backpacks. For years, I've been using Mystery Ranch Packs. It might be the Metcalf or the Beartooth, the Sawtooth or the Pintler. No matter which Mystery Ranch pack you choose, here's how you can save 10% on your purchase. Go to the Go Hunt gear shop, gohunt.com, put a Mystery Ranch pack in your cart, and when you check out using promo code RANDY, you're going to save 10% off that pack and most of the other regular priced items in your cart. Mystery Ranch backpacks, can't beat them. Go check them out. So Tim, <clears throat> when we were down there, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't feel right without telling you how impressed I was with the CDS robot. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm wrong with that, but I, back when Mike Slack was here, and Mike told me, Randy, I think you'd really like this new idea we're working on. It's called the custom dial system. He sent me one. I'm guessing maybe 10 years ago, something like that. 
And my first response was, how did I live without this all my life? <laughs> and now I, you took me down there and Ian was running the machine and it's like a robot. I think his name was, he had a name. Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah. yeah. The robot was named Sawyer, who is making these things to a level of precision. And then they're taking it over to this other machine that has all these lasers to verify that the way the robot etched everything and put all the little marks is exactly how it needs to be. Correct. Yep. And they're doing quite a few of them, it looks like, with those machines. We do a lot, a lot of those CDS styles. And, yeah. you know, for those that aren't necessarily completely familiar with that, it's the, the intent is that we will, we will do the hard part of any of the um, trajectory information, so ballistic stuff, um, from as simple as what box of shells are you shooting up to, I've shot it at every distance and I know my exact dope. We can take anything in between there um, and engrave a dial that now has yardage on it to mm-hmm. match your atmospheric conditions in, in your area. Um, and that's become very, very popular because yeah. it takes, you know, the, the time to run a Kestrel if you're into, into calculating it all at a certain time, but hunting doesn't allow for that amount of time. Right. Um, and so the ability to just, how far away is it? I range it, I turn my dial to that distance, and then I hold exactly where I want to hit. No need yeah. to send the scope back in, no nothing. It's one phone call or one email um, onto our website, and the dial comes to you in the mail. That word is getting out. And, yeah. and the secret or the trick where you and I used to be able to just turn it to the five and hit and impress everybody is no longer yeah. as much of a secret. <laughs> and, <Not> uh, <laughs> and, and so now that's, we need a little help getting those dials, you know, done um, at the, at the volume that, that needs to happen. And yeah. that's that robot. It's a cobot. It's a collaborative robot um, that works side by side with a human. Um, and, and that's been a great investment for us to help get that out there and, and, and meet the demand, um, that comes up for those dials. Yeah. It was interesting to see how Ian was checking every little thing. Then he's got a laser, the, uh, a machine, uh, the via lasers, everything's perfect. Then he takes it and he, uh, if you order one of these folks, you're getting a care package that has had a human right here in Beaverton, Oregon, walking that through, putting it in your envelope making sure this is exactly what you need because the guy, the order that that we pulled out was a guy named Jason and he shoots a 308. So he's already kind of uh, appealing to me, you know, yeah, I'm, right. I'm, I'm like a 308 guy. So, uh, but what, you were telling me that if you buy a CDS scope, the first dial is on the house. Is it is. Correct? It's it's free, you know, and and so the the C in CDS is custom, or right. we would include it with the scope. But we don't know exactly what you're shooting. Are you a 308 or a 708 or a 264 or a 300 Win Mag? Right. Um, and beyond that, we don't know what ammo you're shooting. But every CDS equipped scope, you get a free dial with that, and it's a, it's just as simple as hey, I've got this scope, and and I'm going to enter in my serial number and a little bit of info about my ammo and where I live or where I hunt, more yeah. importantly. Um, and that dial comes in the mail. So you, yeah. you buy the scope, you mount it up, you go zeroed in, and you're done. Now the rest will come by mail. You can change from the, the factory dial to the custom dial when it arrives in a matter of a minute or so without affecting your zero or, or anything else. Um, and now you're ballistically matched. And so, yeah. you know, you're around camp or, hey, think I can hit that rock or this or that, even if it's not for, for longer range hunting, but it's for practice. Right. 
you turn to turn to the distance and the bullet lands where you where you look yeah it's pretty slick well for me it's one i have a lot of different people with guests and other stuff who shoot our setups the other part is just how fast and efficient it is it's like click that's why i say cds means click my rangefinder dial my dial shoot that's what it means for me and it, yeah. it works really really slick but uh, is there any any reason why someone wouldn't get their dial if they bought a scope is not not in a hunting situation i mean i can't imagine you know i i have a lot of friends who hunt there's a lot of industry folks you know guys like you and any of them that have a CDS dial, they're now, they're hooked. Cool. They're, they're, yeah. they're CDS dial collectors. Yeah. You know, hey, I'm going to, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm, I'm going. I'm, you can't see it, folks, but I'm raising my hand here. Yeah. It's just, hey, I'm going to Alaska. Here's the temp. Here's the, here's the, out- I, I need to do that. And, and so we really can, in any situation, and even if you want to switch ammo, you can give us, you know, the, the ballistics on, on whatever you're shooting, if you're shooting a different weight, different mm-hmm. grain. Um, and it, it just works and they're just, they're just hooked. And I think, you know, you, you talked about, you talked about guests, but I, I saw it happen with Tracy, you know, with, mm-hmm. with my wife who I hunted with. And you know, when we first met, she's a relatively, relatively new hunter. And you know, she got a, when she got a custom dial as, you know, not you know, a hunter that's hunted a ton or whatever, it's just the confidence right. that it gives someone when they can go out on the range and go 200, 300, 400, 500, and they're going tink, 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 tink. And then, yeah. yeah. And, it, it works. And they're all of a sudden like, okay, I can handle that. And now all of a sudden they get a 300 yard shot and it's no problem. Right. You know, well, if you have a CDS scope that you bought folks, or if you are going to buy one, make sure you go online. Is that how they go? They yeah. go online, Tim. And you, you said that. Yeah. There, there's a form. It's just for filling out the data for the CDS style. If you're having issues with that, we can, you know, you can always call 1-800-LOOPOLD and we'll walk you through it yeah. as well. But it's, <clears throat> Because I had just some a few, people who few thought they had to info. send their scope in to get no, this done. No, And because I asked them, I'm like, you're set up for CDS, right? Well, I didn't want to send them my scope. I'm like, well, no, no, no. This is very simple. simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like Tim said, they can always call our, our tech <clears throat> services guys and they'll take care of it. Yeah. Guys and gals. So, uh, Bruce, tell me about the campaign trust is earned. Where where's that come from? Well, I think that, you know, if you look at across the optics industry and, and what, you know, it it seems like now everybody has some sort of this guarantee, you know, and a couple of companies really rely on it hardcore and it's, it's a, you know, it's really replacement and, and that's okay with an iPhone maybe, but it's not okay if, if you're, you know, up on the mountain and you've drawn a tag that you've been waiting to draw for five years, 10 years, whatever it is. And all of a sudden your scope doesn't work, right? It's off and you can't get it back on. And I hear these stories all the time from mm-hmm. all levels of, of folks, but I hear it a lot. And, and we really just, you know, wanted to, you know, yeah, we have a guarantee. In fact, we were the first ones. Yeah. We guarantee it for life. That was Marcus Lupold. Right. That, you know, this is, this is a heritage piece of it for us. What the gold ring stands for is trust. Right. But, but the reality of it is, is that trust is earned is about making sure that your product's going to perform because if someone has to return a scope because it's, it's, it's off or whatever it is, that is a failure for us. That's, yeah. that's something it's not just, Oh, here, take another one. Right. You know? And I know in some cases, some of our competitors don't even look to see if there's something wrong. They just Oof. automatically send another one. Right. It's just, here's another one. Go ahead. Yeah. And we, we really take it seriously that you, it has to perform in the field. We, we guarantee performance. Mm-hmm. That's what we're really guaranteeing. And 
I think that's why when you, when you go into camp with core hunters and, or you're up in Alaska, wherever you are, it's, you see our stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, I have outfitter friends. My, my cousin's an outfitter in New Mexico. Yeah. He's kind of like, don't, don't, no, you can't use that. I've got something for you here. <laughs> <laughs> well, for, you know, for me, this story goes back over 40 years when I saw Owen Gordon, who owned our hardware store in our little town of Big Falls, Minnesota. He had a scope with a gold, back then your gold rings were, they weren't as pronounced as they are now, but they were there. And I was so impressed because here's this World War II veteran who everyone in town is like, this guy is who you go to if you got a gunsmithing problem. Whose scopes was he shooting? Leupold's. And I still remember that. And man, I wanted one of those. I saved money for so long to get one of those. And I did. And uh, it's, to me, the the trust is earned. It so much speaks to what my experience has been with Leupold long before I ever started these platforms. It's what I had. And, and it just, to me, is... Every, every time I come here, every time I, I meet with you guys, it just reemphasizes that you are earning that trust. And you we take, we it, take seriously. it seriously. We, we do. We, you know, we've had, you know, a lot of demand for our brand. And there's, you know, we could have sourced stuff and slapped a logo on it and probably sold lots of it. But ultimately, we don't care about being the biggest. We care about being the best. And part of that means that you've got to guarantee performance. You've got to make sure it works. And, and it goes to another level when you talk about guaranteeing performance for what we do for our elite military, right. which we have a, a lot of responsibility around that and products that we um, provide and for both you know, you, you know, our military here in the United States, but also our allies. Yeah. And we're going to make sure it performs. Yeah, for those folks. Yep. You know, a warranty, hey, we'll send you a new one. Yeah, uh, right. The, 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 no. the, doesn't work very well Mm-mm. for for folks like that. So uh, <clears throat> the trust is earned thing. I, I was out on your website the other day, and there's you guys are kind of trying to get customer stories. You guys, if you walk the halls here, folks at Liverpool, there's customer stories, there's customer quotes, there's inspirational stuff about uh, product. You guys have the it's like I'm going to call it the Wall of Fame, but it's like. <laughs> stuff that people sent that yeah, this fell off my fishing boat eight years ago and I found it. I thought, yeah, or I ran it over with a, you know, backhoe or whatever. <laughs> but uh, you guys are looking for customer stories out there on your website, loophole.com. Uh, and if any of you are interested, you should go do it because monthly you're giving away free pair of loophole eyewear. Yeah, performance hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think... Through the end of a year, end of the year, you guys have a big optics package here. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're given. So we do. This someone go there and enter their story of trust with the the Liverpool brand, and that's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. All right, that's all you got to do. Just and and there's a really good chance if you win, folks, that you're they're going to put your your story or some, one of your lines or slogans or quotes up here on. On the wall, it, it, the whole place looks like it got repainted since I was here last time. <laughs> it, I mean, our factory's been here a while, right? So it's 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 a little humbling being in the exact same town as Nike, and they mm. build like these. If you go by that campus over there, it's yeah. insane, right? It I is. mean, these things are like Crystal Palace.
palaces with right. basketball courts and <laughs> soccer fields. And, yep. and then you come over to us and, and here we are like, you know, hunters and shooters <laughs> in a factory that since, you know, 1969. And, you know, and so we, we decided we put some new carpet in and paint some walls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and our that. team is like, hey, this is great. <laughs> that is like a bit of a contrast. You know, I, yeah. I had to drive past the Nike campus to get here. There's pictures of famous athletes oh, and yeah. stuff all over on the sides of their mm-hmm. buildings. And I thought, well, Leupold would have like animals or something on the side of their building. <laughs> we just have a bunch of them on the walls inside. <laughs> oh, no doubt about that. Any, anyone who wonders if, if you guys hunt here, uh, a quick tour would uh, put, put any concerns yeah. uh, yep. someone might have about that. But uh, all these things... For me, are fascinating, and and you guys have been on this podcast before. Uh, Loophole being the the title sponsor of Hunt Talk Radio. Um, the other thing that I, I kind of want to touch on because I think uh, the hunting world sometimes doesn't realize how much our partners in industry are doing behind the scenes or are concerned about uh, issues. Um, whether it's you're okay, we. Uh, you guys donate a ton of product and money in your platforms and voice to conservation groups, uh, all kinds of them. Yep. But I know that Bruce, you're very, you've been involved at federal levels of a lot of legislation or, or groups that work on legislation related to the shooting sports, related to hunting, related to conservation. And it gives you a pretty wide open, maybe a more (laughs) nationwide view of this because I have a tendency to just sort of get, you know, my head down, what's what's in my lane, and that's all I I see. Um, But you get to see a lot more of that, and you probably get to see some of it play out right here in your home state. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. You'll find courses by my buddy Corey Jacobson, Remy Warren, me, Hank Shaw, John Barklow, Jamie Teagan, and the list is growing and growing. And here's the other cool part. My buddy Corey, who founded the University of Elk Hunting course, the popular course that is everything known about elk hunting, his course is now part of your subscription to Outdoor Class. So, all for one subscription, at one price, you get all of the Outdoor Class courses, plus Corey's University of Elk Hunting. Go to OutdoorClass.com, use promo code RANDY when you sign up, and you're going to save 20%. This will be great information for any hunter. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class, an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. Outdoor Class now includes the University of Elk Hunting course from my buddy Corey Jacobson. All these courses in one single subscription at one price. Go to OutdoorClass.com and use promo code RANDY to save 20% when you sign up. This is great information for any hunter at any level. The Hunt Talk Radio podcast is also presented by our wonderful friends at Mountain Tough. If you're like me, 
and you want to hunt until you're 80, or maybe you just want to keep up with the younger folks or your kids later in life, you need to start focusing on your health and your nutrition. It's never too late to get started. I just started and I'm 59. And yeah, I should have started 20 years ago, but I've made that commitment and the Mountain Tough app makes it so easy. So if you want to invest in your health and your hunting, start your free trial today. Go to mountaintough.com and when you sign up for the free trial, they're going to give you 14 days free. But when you sign up and use promo code Randy, they're going to add an extra 30 days onto that free trial when you select the monthly plan. Uh, I find it ironic that a state that has Leupold and has Nosler and some other amazing brands in the shooting and hunting world ends up with uh, a ballot in it. What do you, you guys had a weird ballot in it. Yeah, measure one I, I don't want to send anyone into orbit here. But. Yeah, you, I'll, you'll probably get me close. Um, <laughs> yeah, measure 114, which, which narrowly, very narrowly got passed. But you know, to shed some light on that, I, I think I actually take one step back. So I sit on the National Shooting Sports Foundation board, which is the trade association for the firearms industry. Yeah. Um, and really as a leader in terms of legislation and, and really, you know, fighting, you know, anti-gun legislation in particular, but also anti-hunting. Yeah. Um, and I also sit on the board of Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, right. which is really more focused on um you know, issues related to hunting and fishing, but but as well that gets the same thing as as it relates to to um, the, the firearms side. And both of those organizations are really good. And in fact, y- you know, at, at, at working diligently to, um, you know, really be a voice and, and spending money, frankly, to, to fight some of the crazy stuff that's going on. Because, you know, what's happened on a, on a more national level is, you know, we, we saw the change, you know, under the last administration where the Supreme Court became, you know, arguably more conservative. And so I think that made some folks feel better about these, you know, widespread bans or right. you're not going to be able to own a gun anymore and all that. I think that's, you know, clearly not, not going to happen. Um, and, you know, now we have a Republican controlled, you know, Congress. So yeah, or again, at, le- at least the house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The house. So, I mean, the reality of it is, is that, you know, you're not going to have those big things go through, but Oregon and, and what you were alluding to with measure 114 was a great example where, you know, I honestly think we as hunters and shooters got, got caught asleep, really? you know, because what happened with 114 is it's an absolute terrible bill. Yeah. Okay. It was very clear from the beginning. It's onerous, clear, you know, it's going to be, I think it'll eventually be said this is unconstitutional right. because they want a permit system in place. Mm-hmm. And without spending the whole podcast on this, I'll quickly right. go through it. But the, the nutshell is they want to put a per- permit system in place, the, the, the advocates for this bill, that basically says, you, me, Bruce Pettit, who owns a lot of guns, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go and go through a live fire training that's going to be done by my either sheriff and or police department. And then that's going to go into a database that I have this permit and I'm going to have to renew it every five years, even though I, this is nothing with a background check. I still got to go through all the same process as before. That's one aspect of it, Mm -hmm. right? So you think about all of that. There's no funding. The sheriffs and the police chiefs both came out against it, vehemently against it saying, well, first of all, this can't be done. In fact, the the state sheriff's association said, not only do we believe it's unconstitutional, they did Mm -hmm. say that. But we also, frankly, this can't be done. There was no funding in the bill. Yeah. No funding. 
And the cost is $60 million to even implement it. And by the way, if you look at the law enforcement in general, but certainly right. law enforcement in Oregon, they're taxed right now. Right. I mean, they they're are to at, the limit. To the limit. Yeah. Plus some. And so it was just, and, and, and the thing that's, that's tough is, are the, 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 you know, those of us who wanted to say, do not vote for Measure 114, okay? We were outspent 20 to 1 Whoa. by out of state anti-gun donors. Really? They weren't Oregonians. Right. Like, and I tried to tell the whole industry that because we're not California here. This yeah. is not California. We have amazing hunters, shooters, great companies that are here. This is a completely different place. Yeah. And you got to be, you know, but we also got to wake our folks up. Yeah. Because I know there's a whole bunch of people out there in Oregon that went, oh, that'll never pass. That's crazy. That'll never pass. And guess what? Yeah. They spent money right. and they told these kind of ridiculous stories that, had nothing to do with anything being, you know, going to protect anyone, to be quite honest. Yeah. Uh, a, you were telling me how narrowly it passed, like one or two percent. Yeah, it was, it was as close as it could possibly be. And if, yeah. if Oregonians really knew, and, and I, I, I would call it, you know, lay it out for hunters and shooters alone. If we had just got the hunting and shooting community in Oregon to show up. You, and by, by that you mean vote? Vote. Yeah. Show up. Vote. Yeah. Vote no. Right. We would have, we'd have blown it out of the water. Really? And I think even the general public that might not be hunters and shooters, when they actually look at it and said, well, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I always worry about in our space of hunting and shooting is apathy, not by intention of saying, mm -hmm. well, I'm just an apathetic person, but apathy of being outspent 20 to one. I, I just, the flood of media that comes against the things we love, you almost, it, it, it creates this feeling of, well, what the hell, I'm just going to get steamrolled. And that is a form of apathy that is created rather than, I think, chosen, right? Mm -hmm. right? But your point, I think, I hope everybody listening to this is, if you are not voting, you are going to get the government and the legislation, in this case, a ballot initiative, maybe that you don't think you deserve, but by not voting, you almost deserved it. As, as much as I don't want to say anyone deserves that, you, 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 you've helped create that. Yeah, you, you know it surprised a lot of people when the next day after it was started, it went through and it was really being explained and into the last week when it became more, you know, noticed. And it, it was really interesting because background checks went up dramatically in Oregon. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like off the charts. <laughs> like they're like, I'm saying, oh, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. I, I got a, a text from Matthew, my son, who lives here in Beaverton, and he's like, I'm at Sportsman's Warehouse today. The line is out the door around the building and down the street. Yeah. I'm like, for what? Background. He said, everybody's trying to buy a, their firearms today. And, uh, well, I mean, our, our, the hopeful outcome is this, it, it's currently been stayed yeah. uh, by, and, and the Supreme court has upheld that in the state of Oregon. And, and my hope is that, that, uh, you know, as they work through this, that the, the unconstitutionality will come out and, unenforceable. I mean, just not, and, and it'll, you know, maybe that'll be a lesson to the anti-side once, which is all you did is sell a bunch more guns. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good <Correct>. job. Yeah. <laughs> well done. 20 to 1. You spent us out. Yeah. You sold a bunch more guns. Well, you and I have talked about this before the podcast and previous, you know, when we get on the phone. And uh, the one thing that you've pointed out, and this is why I want to give the context of your involvement at NSSF and CSF, is you've made it pretty clear that you think that these groups are going to go on a state by state level and try to knock things off. They're, they're not going to go try to do something at a national level. They're going to say, where are the weak points? Where's the apathy? Where can we outspend? And we're going to do this state by state. And we see Washington lose its bear hunting. We see Colorado by just the slimmest margin end up with a wolf reintroduction, which wolves were coming back there anyhow. But, it makes a statement and it raises money and, and gets people all all happy and excited. And so... I, that, that is the strategy and that is going to happen. It'll happen in New Mexico. It's going to happen in various states where they think they have an opportunity. It won't be just shooting. It'll be hunting and shooting. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, it's hunting. And it, it'll continue to happen. And we, as sportsmen and women, need to make sure that we're on top of it. Yeah. Well, that, that gets us to a, a couple other things. And one is the whole voting stuff. Uh, if you aren't voting and you're going to have votes in your state, in your local area that are just, everyone thinks if I vote for the president one way or the other, that that's all I need to worry about. The real important stuff is sometimes even the primary determines what choices you're going to have. And if all you have are bad choices, how often do we hear, well, I voted for the least offensive. Right. Well, that's because <laughs> in the primary, that's what we ended up with. Uh, but I want people listening to, to think about this, uh, the importance of being engaged and voting because Oregon's now de been dealt this really terrible mess. And I'm with you guys. I hope that it gets overturned and deemed unconstitutional, but just think about the mess that's created in the interim. You, you yeah, the lawyers are going to do well. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to win. <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. So uh, you guys have a group here that I always, uh, I, I interact with them when I'm at these shows. Like uh, this week I'm doing the Portland show, uh, Oregon Hunters Association. For being a small group, they're kind of like a little guerrilla team that gets an awful lot done. Uh, and I know you guys here at Leupold feel pretty important about those smaller groups. And so you told me, hey, Randy, Saturday night we're doing a, a film fundraiser. And one of the beneficiaries, that's going to be the Oregon Hunters Association. Is that kind of your way of saying, we want to help these groups? We want to help these smaller groups. We want to empower the people who are making a difference and fighting the, the good, good fight for us. Yeah, I, I, Oregon Hunters Association, I'm, I'm just impressed with what they get done with a really small team and small budgets, you know, and, and yeah. we need to support them more. And I think, you know, we had the Measure 114 where they were a lead on that. I mean, they yeah. were out in front of it um, and really, I think, got a lot of information out to a lot of people. So I, I, I want to see more members for them just yeah. alone for the information that they provide. But at the same time, you know, there's going to be hunting bills and they'll be on top of those. And so they stay close with what's going on in Salem and, and understanding and how does this play out. The other thing that was really cool, and we'll, we'll have a film on, on Saturday night about this, is, you know, they partnered with us to do a, um, to get 
we had biologists from Alaska all the way down the coast to, to, to Arizona, actually. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, various states, you know, I think Utah showed up and we had Idaho and we had, you know, this, this, we had some state, some forest folks all get together to talk about blacktail conservation. And blacktail's mm -hmm. kind of unique to us here in Oregon. Right. And it's a mule deer. So mm -hmm. the Mule Deer Foundation was a piece of it. But OHA was a great part of that and helped put that all together and helped us get the biologists out in the field and really talk about the uniqueness of this, of this deer that we have that we love that's yeah. um, here on the Pacific Coast. And so um, just think about that. Here's this group, and they're doing all of that kind of work. And so right. for me... I'm like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to, we're the state title sponsor for them, but we're going to continue to support them any way that we can to, uh, to make sure that they're, they're getting the funding that they need. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I want people to be aware of is this brand and this company. I see it because, you know, the three of us, we spend time, you know, we go out in the field or at trade shows or whatever. I get to learn what you guys are doing and you're so passive about saying, oh, yeah, we're doing this because Tim, as the VP of marketing, doesn't want conservation to become viewed as a marketing ploy, right? So I get that, but your leadership in doing those kind of things goes a long ways to others in the industry, to your customers, to, to people who watch you do that, and you for you to affirmatively say, you know what, this group is getting a lot done without a lot of money. They're using their resources wisely to the benefit of all of us. We want to lean in and, and help them. That doesn't, that's not marketing. That's just doing one of those things I see about all your values that are written on the walls out here. It's, it's a core value of, of what you guys have written here about, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And one of those things is you're going to support the things that are essential to the hunting and shooting spaces. And so hopefully. Yeah. We yeah. have a value called thoughtful stewardship yeah. and that's what that's really, that's one piece of that, which is making sure that, you know, we're doing everything we can to, to make sure that the next generation has the ability to, to hunt and shoot and do the things that we've all had the, you know, I feel incredibly blessed and lucky to be, have the opportunities that, that we've had. Um, and I hope, you know, I've got three grandkids now. What? Yeah. You'll meet a couple of them. They'll probably come to the show and really? you get to know. Oh, yeah. And uh, I want them to have, yeah. I want them to have the same opportunities, yeah. you know, and we, we just, we owe that and you got to create access. You got to continue to, to work hard on making sure that, you know, these, these, folks that are misguided around conservation and what it really means are, are, uh, kind of understand. Yeah. yeah it's education. Well, you, I hope you guys continue to do that. And I'm looking at Tim when I say this, however, you guys can use my platforms to help in that. That's what I'm here for. And, uh, it's, uh, every once in a while, maybe make it a little more apparent to the world on what you guys are doing for these groups. Because you, I say that from the standpoint of leadership matters and you guys lead, you quietly lead a lot of times and I get that, but you're big leaders in this. So don't, don't be bashful about it. So Tim's nodding his head. We, we appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it's, see now I servant, can. servant leadership is kind of the, the motto around here and do yeah. the right things because they're right. Not because you 
want to be recognized or rewarded. Right. So. No, and I, I don't think anyone ever is going to say Leopold is up there elbowing people for the chance to talk at the podium. If anything, you guys are the ones leaned against the back wall almost with your hats pulled down so no one recognizes you while someone else is up there elbowing for their place at the podium to claim credit for work that sometimes they don't necessarily have a lot of a lot of fingerprints on but so <clears throat> anyhow folks that's you've heard me bring this up now right you if you listen to the podcast in early january you heard me talk about how important it was in washington state uh, those hunters got together and they formed the outdoor sportsman's alliance we have the oregon hunters association here in oregon and i agree with bruce's impression that a lot of this is going to be a state-by-state -state approach out-of-state money can come in and outspend a small state group 20 to 1 or 50 to 1 mm -hmm. yep. and it's just knock them off one at a time one at a time so i i know my audience by the end of the year is going to be tired of hearing me say all this stuff but it's that important and hopefully hopefully people will get engaged i know you will i i feel like with my audience i'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit I, that's all right the uh, choir's yeah. got to be there we need, yeah we need yeah but we need. You, you know my grandma used to also say that if you're going to do missionary work you got to go to the bars and the back alleys you can't you can't just do missionary work in the church so it's a great point i'm like Grandma Clara, I'm, I, I remember that one. So yeah, I, I don't know exactly where those bars and back alleys are in the hunting and conservation space, but I'm prepared to go there and spread the spread the gospel as necessary. But uh, what else we got coming on, on the, 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 I guess... Do we want to talk about what's coming down the product pipe here at Liverpool? Tim, Tim, Tim loves to do Tim, that. I, I know. That's like his. Tim, Tim has been, uh, how long have you been VP of product? I think that's probably eight years. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. Seven, yeah. seven, eight years. And, and then they said the realm there. Tim, you're doing such a good job. Let's make you the VP of marketing also. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just raise your hand all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Everybody likes a good challenge. Uh, it was that you know that was really that was an effort to to really we try to make sure that everything we do on the product side has a very focused design intent from engineering through full delivery, and we want to make sure that that intent is aligned with the consumer. Yeah. And so you know we really need to know that consumer exceptionally well on the product side, the marketing side, and how how do we make sure that all that messaging comes together that we're hearing what consumers have to say and that we're speaking to consumers appropriately um, on the right topics. Yeah. And so that's, those really go hand in hand when, when done right. And mm -hmm. when you're consumer centric, yeah. you know, that's, that's, they're the reason we're here. So how do we make sure that we're solving real problems and, and making things that much better for the end user? Yeah. And that's our focus. Well, <laughs> it, it, this is a, a little sideboard thing that, a box showed up and it didn't say, you know, it didn't have the loophole logo on the side of it. It was just a box from Tim Lesser when I came home from a hunt in Mississippi last month. And it was a new set of binos that I've been using these prototypes for the last, what, year and a half that you sent mm -hmm. me. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about when those are going to come out, but this is a little bit of a spoiled response or 
I'm admitting how spoiled I am that you trust some of us enough that you send us these things and usually it's followed up with a phone call randy tell me what i can what you could do that would possibly break this or cause it to fail and i don't know if you say that to all the other people you send prototypes to but i kind of take it as a challenge sometimes and usually if i give it to a camera crew they will find a way to break it but uh these binos that you sent me are man they're nice they're really nice they're a range finding binal uh and this podcast is going to drop sometime in March. That's so, right. Yes. Yeah, let it rip. Then we're good to go. Yeah, that's the, the BX4 range HD. Right. Um, and, so, you know, so that's a 2,600-yard range finder that you've got in there. But more importantly um, than distance on the range finder is practicality in the field. And, yeah. And there's two things that you really need to be focused on with a range-finding binocular, and that's, that is the performance in hunting situations for the rangefinder, yeah. but ultimately that's your primary viewing optic right so it has to work well in low light in harsh light the color rendition has to be correct because you're looking for that one antler tip or that ear flip or that throat patch of the deer that's bedded down yep. um, or you know if you're you're trying to age an animal um, right at last light or first light you mm-hmm. know is that a five and a half year old buck or a seven and a half year old buck um, all that detail has to be just as pure as if you didn't have a rangefinder, mm-hmm. and and that's what's taken some some design work and and some solid engineering time is how do you balance all of that and and not give an inch on the optics, right? Um, and then get a you know the the best rangefinding engine and, and all those pieces, right? And so we've gotten to a point now where we we send them out and you know we've got ways of breaking things here but everybody has their own way of breaking things so we get them out yeah. to you guys and <laughs> say what did what did we not think of um, yeah. don't tell us what we did right tell us what we did wrong mm-hmm. and and come back and and just keep iterating until we get to a point where we know this thing is going to work it's going to work well uh, and it's going to work well forever and then yeah. and now we're to a point where we're ready to, to launch for that cool and yeah. now the launch this summer sometime uh, uh, it, it, yeah, and what's the it, what, March April? So yeah, that's March, by the time this comes out, we'll yeah. be they'll be shipping and they'll be and, out there. Uh, we'll be on the the production, the ramp up of the production there, so they'll be yeah. becoming available. Yeah. Okay. The um, what what Tim's not telling you is that how many times that I came into him and said, "Are those ready yet? <laughs> hey, are those ready yet?" And, and and this is what I love about and I can name other products that we do this on, but it's it's great about you know having Tim lead product because. He's just, I know he's as frustrated as I am, so I have to just give it a little nudge, uh-huh. you know, so I know it gets him just enough where I can see it in his eyes, but he's like, look, it's, they got to be right. Yeah. They got to be right optically. We're, yeah. we're working on optics right here because honestly, you know, if you look at um, competitors range finding binos, you get a lot of blues and green, you get a lot of blues in particular, but yeah. I've looked through them and, you know, if you're going to sit there in glass all day. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, they got to optically get there. And so we have an optical design team here that has the ability to sit there and work on product and work on product and look at it and reiterate and say, you know what, we could, if we change this coding or if we do this differently, we can make this optically better. Mm-hmm. We can make it work better in, in low light. And that's the, the patience that I, I think he, he and his team have been able to bring to our product because... You know, I mean, if you know how many guides and outfitters ask me, when are you coming out with an inch finding bino? I, could, I seriously, I would be a rich man. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? I, uh, I, I quit bothering. I, I can't walk down the hall and whisper to Tim, hey, when are these going to be ready? But I see him at shows or bump yeah. into him. I'm like, what the, what's the ETA? And then I get the same thing. Well, we're tweaking this and we're tweaking that. And uh, yeah. so I do th- think that 
maybe one thing that folks fail to realize is how much consideration you put into just using that product as an example of how does it get used in the field? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Left-handed, right-handed, I can do, uh, you know, there's so many things that, okay, I'm right-handed. I'm just, you know, just do it this way. No. We got to think about it this way. And in an archery setting, it's going to be used this way. In a rifle setting, it might be used this way. On a tripod, it'll... Oh, man, I'm glad I'm not the one that's got to think about all that well, stuff. Well, it's, it's a big deal because, I mean, we have a shooting facility out in just a few hours from here out in Madras, Oregon, that we can go out and shoot. And we shoot insanely long distances. We have close quarter stuff. We have a hunt course that you can go around. And we get to, to test it in, in all kinds of ways. But I bring that up because the reality that, that we took all, we have our, our own sales team, and we took all of our sales team out there. And we sat down and we took all of our competitor scopes from, this level to this level. Mm-hmm. And we took them and we went and shot early, early morning. We shot in glare. We shot late in the afternoon, low light conditions. And it just proves what you're talking about, about you know, understanding the field because we blow them away. Mm-hmm. In terms of low light performance, no one touches us. Yep. We absolutely blow them away because of the, really the diligence and the work that's gone into making sure that, you know, that, that first 10 and that last 10, you can see of shooting light, that you can make it happen. Yeah. Um, because those are the times when a lot of things get done. Imagine that. Imagine right? that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that, yeah. that elk hunt we went on where I thought it was going to be like midday. By the time we got there, it was going down. It was, that was a it whole. Was pretty late <laughs> yeah. by that time. But uh, I don't want to hurt your feelings here, Bruce, but Tim still owns the record for the largest Montana mule deer ever taken on our show. Really? Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. People still pull that video up, Tim. They're like, how big was that? And how cold was that? Yeah, I've seen that video a couple times. The cold was memorable. It was impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I was just glad that Tim came back with all his digits. Uh, uh, Well, so was I. And then after we get done with the hunt, I'm like, well, we got done a day or two early. What, What are you thinking? He's like, well, I'm getting married on Saturday. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's probably good that we got done a day too early because I'm getting married on. I'm like, we better get your butt on a plane. You got priorities. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and knowing Tim's wife, Riza, she's. Uh, she told me she's like, it's a good thing you got him there. In time. <laughs> so, but no, I I just I think for me anyhow, the the value of all of us spending time together is I get to learn what your product map looks like. I get to learn what challenges you see and that you're trying to solve for that I in my little world mm-hmm. I may have never thought about. You know, when you you guys have uh, spent, is Vicky still work here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you guys have let me talk to her so much, and she she's a serious owner. And you guys, uh, uh, you can tell when you talk to Vicky that she has the latitude to try to think about every possible field use or, or, or use yeah. mm-hmm. of application. Mm-hmm. And when she starts walking me through optics and, and the engineering that goes into coatings and colors and splitting light waves and bringing them, I'm like, you can really do this shit? <laughs> what? <Yeah>. It's incredible. <laughs> so the, the people you have here live it and breathe it besides the two of you. And uh, 
for me, it's fun to come here and nerd out with, well, I don't really nerd out. I just ask the dumb questions. You, I, your people get to nerd out when they answer the questions. But uh, anything else on the product roadmap that the world would want to know about? Or are we still hush-hush? We've, we've got a few. Um, so the, the Mark V line has been, been really popular for us. Um, it's been very well received for... Um, kind of shooting applications where a first or front focal plane reticle uh, has done really mm -hmm. well. That's been big on military contracts and some others, but there are a lot of hunters that cross over and want to use the feature set that the Mark V has. Yeah. Uh, and there's a two to 10 version of that. So um, again, it's still first focal, uh, but you've got a side focus adjustment and it really kind of fits this, this DMR designated marksman rifle type of a, a use case. Mm -hmm. um, but we found that it's really, really a good hunting magnification, you know, going from two to 10 yeah. uh, and then having side focus so you can read wind in between if you need to. Um, so that one's been doing very, very well for us, um, both on kind of military law enforcement mm -hmm. front and even on the, on the hunting front, yeah. um, which is. Uh, you know, a testament to having a real versatile product. And then we've got the, uh, the RX 1400 um, I, we've got a, a Gen 2 version of that, which has the flight path technology. So for the archers out there. Right, this is a range finder. Yeah. 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 So for archers out there, this is a range finder that will, uh, in your field of view, tell you if there's obstructions between you and your target that might lie in the path of your arrow which can be a challenge, you know, here in, in Western Oregon in particular, there's a lot of brush. Yeah. A lot, yeah. But in, when I was in Wyoming, I found a way to find the only branch within 50 acres and somehow my, my arrow would, would hit it. Um, so I'm not sure which one's worse for me, uh, but that we've incorporated that flight path technology. So this is a handheld range finding monocular um, mm -hmm. to kind of partner up with that binocular that we were talking about. So this would be a, a, a one-eye, you know, handheld unit. Um, but that flight path technology has been very helpful for a, a lot of reasons. And it just, it just helps you predict whether you've got a clear shot or not. Yeah. Um, and then archery ballistics and, and standard rifle ballistics. Yeah. Well, again, those are use cases you guys learn because all of your people are out there hunting and shooting. And uh, I would have never thought about worrying about that. I would just keep hitting the same limb and then someone would say, you know, we could engineer around that. I'd be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> but, well, what else do you want the world to know about Leupold or products or where you guys are headed? I, your new distribution center, I got a tour of that. Holy smokes. Yeah, we're we're going to, you know, I mean, we're headed in the same direction we've been, which is we're just committed to to performance and making sure that that our customers are, you know, really excited about, you know, using our products, that they perform for them and that, that, you know, ultimately we want them to become a part of the loophole family. Right. Yeah. And so we're just going to continue to do that. We've, we are, we're not satisfied with anything in our business where we talk about being relentless. That's mm -hmm. kind of our, our platform, which is more than just what we do from a marketing perspective, but it's really across every piece of our business on how do we, how are we, you know, relentless about quality? How are we relentless about being efficient in our manufacturing? How are we relentless about innovation and bringing, you know, thoughtful new products to that are going to, it's going to help our, our hunters and shooters out there. Um, yeah. not to mention our military and, and all of the aspects of our business right now are doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, and so we're just going to stay focused on that path. We're not going to get off and buy a brand over here, or do this or do that. We're going to, this is what we do. You know, we, we know our lane, we're in it, we're going to keep going. Um, and so, you know, I just, 
you know, Randy, appreciate your partnership and, you know, everything you've, you know, your family too. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been great to watch, you know, how you've run your business and watch it grow and how you've, you know, have been so strategic about it with the moves that you've made over, you know, the nine years that you and I have been working together. Yeah. Um, so we just, I just want to thank you, man. It's, yeah, well, it's been a great, great relationship. Yeah, so well, thank you. Keep it going. There, there's a story to that, that Bruce is skipping over is a lot of people know that I was on, you know, TV, right? I had a TV show on one of the outdoor networks and Bruce and I are sitting on a mountain in New Mexico and I'm, ex this is 2015. I'm expressing to him my frustration of why the network won't let me show what I call the gutton and gillen, why the network won't let me show how this is really food. And I, tell Bruce, well, you know, my son is off at Chapel Hill getting an MBA and he built this business plan about how we should go digital. And I'm thinking of going to YouTube and I'm thinking of this and I'm, and Bruce looks at me and says, you're a fool if you don't or something to that effect. And I said, well, easy for you to say, you're not the one who has to make payroll for all these guys. Uh, and uh, this is, this. I tell this story to a lot of people is you told me, you said, Randy, someone needs to do this and we're here to support you and we're going to sign a longer term agreement and you're, we're going to support you even more. Without you guys putting your faith in, in this idea that I had in this transition, I would have never been able to be that first kind of TV show that came to the digital space. And uh, I, I'll always remember that. I'm, I'm like a super loyal guy. And uh, it's been great that, you know, we've been doing this since we started. I've been using Liverpool products and we just wrapped up our 15th season. Uh, of producing media, but uh, a lot of people ask me, how is it that you were able to go from traditional TV to strictly digital and no one else has? I tell them that story, but I could summarize it in a one-liner as probably, well, they don't have loophole as one of their partners. No, <laughs> no, you, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that you were going to, that you were going to make it successful and, and, yeah. uh, and you clearly did probably even more than you, you could have imagined. So it's it's been a great ride and i can't wait to see all, i mean we talked today and i'm not going to mention any of it some of the stuff that you've got planned for the future yeah. and um i would say the same thing well do it let's go <laughs> <laughs> we're in <laughs> well i appreciate the support you guys give and bruce and tim you guys are always so generous with your very scarce time uh I benefit from it. Our audience benefits from it. And uh, you guys keep doing what you're doing. And in any way, I can help the world know uh, what Leupold stands for and the way that you support all the things that we love and, and that are important to be in. You know, whether you live in Beaverton, Oregon, or you live in Bozeman, Montana, or maybe you live in Savannah, Georgia, wherever you live, Leupold's there supporting the cause of of shooting, hunting, conservation, and hope you hope you keep doing that. I know you will. You got how many hundred employees here? About seven hundred and thirty full time. About seven hundred and thirty-four. Yeah, that's a pretty precise. That's not an about. <laughs> that's, that, that's a pretty precise number. Yeah, we're right in there. Wow, they they 
they all seem as committed to it as you guys are. And uh, I love the fact that you guys are a family-owned business. And uh, there's something to be said for how a family-owned business can run versus how a private equity or a publicly traded business can run. So, yeah, that's... Uh, there, there's some significant advantages if you if you understand how to take advantage of them. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation out in the field sometime this fall. Let's do it. It'd be great. We're in. All right. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for being here, folks. When the sun came shining and I was strong.